Mastermind Agent is proud to present success calls. Top real estate agents from across North America reveal their success secrets, strategies, and systems in up-close and personal interviews. You can find all the calls at www.mastermindagent.com. Hi, I'm Mike Cerrone with Mastermind Agent. This month's top agent is Matt Fedick with Keller Williams in Connect Square, Pennsylvania. Last year, he closed 278 transactions with a total sales volume of $78 million. His average sales price was $280,000, of which 40% were buyers and 60% were sellers. Matt has a 16-member team, two listing agents, three buyer agents, one showing agent, two inside sales agents, one listing coordinator, one transaction manager, three virtual assistants, one runner, one director of client experience, and one team leader. Matt Fedick is the team leader of the Matt Fedick team. He's been an agent for 11 years. In his career, he sold over 2,000 homes. He works in the Philadelphia suburbs. In this call, Matt talks about his career as a paramedic and police officer before starting in real estate, why he worked as a title company closing agent before selling homes, getting a fast start and selling 18 homes his first year, why 17% of his business is from expired listings in a very hot market, the scripts and dialogues that he uses to set appointments with expired listings, the conditions necessary for him to set appointments with 50% of the expireds he calls, and why sometimes it's only 10%. How to create doubt in the expired seller's mind without attacking the other agent. The single letter he mails that results in appointments with 20% of the expireds. His script for handling objections while setting appointments with expireds. Facebook ads for expired listings, including targeting and message. Why 25% of his business is from internet leads. How he's getting 30 to 50 seller leads per month from Facebook ads. Why he focuses on life-changing events and market acceleration in neighborhoods. How his lead listing agent will close 120 homes and his lead buyer agent will sell 75 homes this year. Team dynamics, compensation, profit margins, and more. First, a quick word from our sponsor, RealGTV, real estate agent lead generation television. Need more referrals? Get a free script and simple three-part plan used by a top agent to receive and close 74 referral transactions in one year. Just go to freereferralscript.com. That's freereferralscript.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome to the call, Matt. Thanks so much. Glad to be here. Hey, Matt. It's great to have you here. Matt, before we talk about what you're doing today, let's go back for a minute and talk about what you did before you got into real estate. I've been in real estate just about 11 years. And before I embarked on this awesome career, I worked both as a paramedic and a police officer. And honestly, they were really great jobs. I really enjoyed being a paramedic. Uh, As a matter of fact, I still try to keep my certifications active and I still try to take a paramedic shift when time allows, maybe once a month or once every other month. Pre-hospital emergency medicine still runs thick in my blood. And then I uh, worked as a police officer for just over seven years. And they were great jobs. I knew I wanted to start a business, uh, which is why I made a change. But uh, if I look back on that time, I really look back on it and I really appreciate it and was really glad that I had those opportunities. 
What made you decide to go into real estate? I have to be honest with you, there was not a ton of thought around it. It was back in 2006, you know, the market was really hot and it just, it looked really easy from the outside, right? <laughs> I did have my real estate license for about a year before I became a police officer and I didn't do much with it. I, I dabbled a little bit here and there. I did not, you know, really dive in, in deep. And when I became a police officer, I did not keep my license active. So I had some familiarity. I kind of understood what the industry was about. But in reality, when I started in, it really just took a big deep dive in without a lot of thought into it. Did you start into real estate then part-time or did you make a clean cut from being a police officer and a paramedic before you got into real estate? Clean cut. I literally walked in, gave my notice, and a couple of weeks later, I was standing in the real estate office. I had a little bit of an interim step. My last year as a police officer, I worked for a friend of mine who owned a title company, and I was doing settlements as a closing agent during the refi boom there. So I was doing closings and working in the title on a part-time basis, um, which was actually really helpful. When you work at the settlement table, you can kind of see a lot of problems in real estate and how they get resolved. So that actually was helpful. But when I, I made the leap, I, I really made the leap right into real estate sales. And I'm really glad that I did. That first year that you got into real estate, did you have a fast start or a slow start? You know, I had a fast start. You know, again, back in 2006, anybody could almost sell a property, right? And I thought it was so easy. The very first listing that I took, I listed it on Thursday. It went on the market on Friday. We had about 35 showings by Sunday and had 16 offers, right? And I thought, boy, this is about as easy as it gets. So you put a sign in the yard and contracts could fly up. And you just Your decision is which of the best contracts do you take? So I had a fast start. The market was good. I'm born and raised and, and worked as a police officer and a paramedic in the same county where I sell real estate. So I have deep roots. I had a big book of friends and family and fear of influence that I was able to go after right away. And, and I hit it pretty hard the first year. Do you recall how many homes you sold that first year? I was just trying to think about that. I think it was either 21 or 23. Wow. I think I actually had 18 settlements and I went into the next year with three pending. So I think I probably settled 18, but I think I had either 21 or 23 under contract carrying over a couple of pendings into the following year. And was that a full year? Did you start in January? I did. It was kind of crazy. Um, I left being a police officer in July. That fall, I kind of worked doing settlements and in the title company, and then I got my license. And as soon as I passed my test at the end of December, I walked right in the door in January and hit the ground running. Well, let's fast forward to today. In fact, let's go back to last year. How many homes did you sell last year and what was the sales volume? So last year was over 275, 278, I think is the exact number of settled. I think we had 330 that we pended. We started the year, I think, with about 40 in the pipeline. So I think we settled about 278 homes came out to about $78 million. Wow, that is fantastic. Congratulations. Thanks. I have a great group of people around me. I could not do that by myself. Anyone who pretends that uh, that volume is theirs is fooling you. I mean, I, I am really lucky that I have a fantastic team of agents that are driven and great administrative support staff that allows me to do what I do best. So it, uh, it's certainly a, a team effort. 
That is great. And we're going to talk about the team a little bit later. Right now, so people can get a picture of where you are, I believe you're in Kennett Square, Pennsylvania. Can you tell everyone where that is? We are just southwest of Philadelphia, just a little bit. And we really are on the border of Pennsylvania, Delaware, and Maryland. So we are 15 minutes to the Maryland border, five minutes to the Delaware border, uh, and about 25 minutes outside of Center City, Philadelphia. We're in the Philly suburbs. When you're on a border like that, do you have to have licenses in all three states? We do. I'm licensed in two in Pennsylvania and Delaware. I'm not licensed in Maryland. We do have agents in our office that are licensed in Maryland that we refer work to, but we focus our prospecting efforts on Delaware and Pennsylvania. And how big is the market that you're working? What's the population there? So the county that I live in, Chester County, which is a Philly suburb, is about 500,000 residents in Chester County. I would consider that my primary market. My secondary market would be in Delaware. Delaware is a, it's almost like one big town. It's a state, but the population is not huge. There are only three counties in Delaware, and I'm able to service all three counties. We can service well the entire state of Delaware. Could you quickly describe your current real estate market? We're in a bit of a shifting market here. Depending on school district, right now our average sales price in the county runs about 335000 That would be a very typical four-bedroom, two-and-a-half bath, single-family home in mid-2,000 square feet range. That's really typical for our area. Chester County is the wealthiest county in the state of Pennsylvania. We have our a high-end luxury market. Not as much in Chester County as kind of in the other Philadelphia suburbs. We still have a very rural area, which is very agricultural and farm-driven, and then all the way into, you know, towards uh, Center City. So our market is really strong right now. We've got about a 3.7-month supply of homes on the market. So we're definitely in a seller's market. And we're finding that most new listings are getting multiple offers within a week to 10 days of being put on the market if they're priced right. Price is always the key. But if you're in that mid-threes, actually, I would really say anywhere from 300 to about 425 in our market right now, it's going to be a pretty fast sale. So that's a really good, strong market for us. Let's do this. Let's talk about marketing and lead generation. It's a hot topic for everyone. What I'd like to talk about first is expired listings. Expired listings, if I understand correctly, are about 17% of your business last year. Could you tell us what you're doing with expired listings? Yeah, we absolutely focus on calling sellers whose listings have expired, canceled, or withdrawn in the MLS. Those are certainly consumers who have raised their hand and said, we want to sell our home. We want a professional to help us, and they're discouraged or disappointed that the home didn't sell. And so we do focus on prospecting to them, making outbound phone calls, doing direct mail pieces, seeing if we can target them with ads on Facebook by adding in their address as a specific target audience and hitting them with Facebook ads that are geared specifically towards expired listings. So it's a big part of our business. We focus very much on converting them. We also work very old expired. So we're now calling folks who expired one, two, three, four years ago and telling them how the market has dramatically changed and how the market of today may be a good option for them. If you don't mind, I'd like to break some of that down. You said that you're making outbound calls. Could you give us one of the scripts that you would use when you're calling them up? Sure. I call a seller up and have them answer, and I'd say, Good morning, Mr. Smith. This is Matt Fedick from Keller Williams Realty. Do you have a moment? 
I see that you were trying to sell 123 Main Street and it failed to sell. As one of your local real estate experts, I'm calling to ask you, why in this hot seller's market do you think your home did not sell? And give them a chance to talk about that. And what we want to do with an expired listing in today's market is to keep bringing home the message that we use the word, we are in a fierce seller's market where most listings are getting multiple offers. And so in that script, we want to ask them, again, why do you think in today's fierce seller's market where most homes are getting multiple offers, do you think that your home failed to sell? Right? So we don't want to ask yes or no questions. We want to get them talking. We want to hear their perspective. We want to understand what they think, why it happened. So we listen to their story a little bit, and then we will share with them that Mrs. Smith, I specialize in selling homes that did not sell the first time. I'm wondering if I could take an appointment with you where we could sit down and look at what happened last time, what went wrong, and what we can do differently to get you the right offer to get your, the sale and accomplish your goals. How often do they set the appointment on that first call? You know, it all depends on, right, if we can be the first ones in on the call. You know, most expireds are getting a dozen, 15, 20 calls. So our goal is to be the first one to make the call on there. And generally, I would say if we're the first to second call, that we can probably get about 50-50 about whether we can get that appointment. We've got a 50% chance if we're one of the first two agents to call that we're going to get the appointment. And if you are not, if you're one of the 10th or 15th, how often do you get the appointment? I would say really dramatically drops to maybe five or 10%. And so those people, what we do is we will wait and put them on a call list that we will keep checking to see if they have relisted. And if they have not relisted, we put them on a new calling plan and a direct mail piece that'll start again in about five days. So we kind of let the feeding frenzy end. We let a little bit of time go by. And then if we see they haven't relisted again, then we're going to go after them again. Now, you said you want to be the first one to talk to them. How are you doing that? Are you calling at 2 o'clock in the morning? What are you doing? Well, we call early. So we start right between 7.45 and 8 o'clock. We're going to try to be the first ones in. We're ready to go right at that time in the morning. We want to be on the phones uh, hitting out those fresh expired calls. In our county, you're only talking between 10 and 15 per day, except maybe on the first or second of the month based on what expired at the end of the month. So, you know, with three to five people calling a team, we're each only making three to five dials. So we can get almost everybody covered before 8.15 in the morning. You're in a very hot market. You mentioned that to the expireds. It sounds like there are quite a few still expiring, though. Why are they expiring? Two questions. Why are they expiring that you know? And then two, what are they saying when you ask them why they expired? Yeah, I think it's always the same, right? They always expire because of price right? Price fixes all evils, right? So no matter whether it's condition and they can't afford to fix it, then the only thing they can do is compensate via price. So price fixes all problems. And what are they saying? Almost always it's two things. It's my agent didn't market the home well enough. There was no good marketing. And I never heard from my agent. They didn't tell me what to do. I think that happens. I think the average agent is concerned about telling Sellers the truth. I think the average agent dies away from having the tough conversations. And our job, right, the one thing that I think it's important for agents to understand 
is we really are not in the sales business. We're in the sales business to the extent that we sell our services, but once a client engages us to be their buyer's agent or listing agent, once the engagement starts, then we're consultant. So there's no amount of marketing, no amount of creativity that will sell an overpriced listing. If a house is worth 350000 and you price it at 400000 there is no amount of extra marketing, creativity, or anything that you can do to get that property sold. So we're not in the real estate sales business. We're in the real estate consulting business. And so when we sell our consulting skills, so we make a sales pitch to get the appointment. We make a sales pitch at the appointment about our services. But once a client says yes, then our job is consulting and to guide them get the result that they want. And many agents, I think, struggle with telling folks the truth, right? Your house smells like cat litter. Yes, you updated your kitchen 21 years ago, but the style has now changed. And having those direct and candid conversations, because most of the time we are helping sellers manage the sale of their biggest asset and not telling them the truth so that they can make corrections so they can get the most out of their home only hurts them in the long run. So I think we worry about offending them. You know, it's their home and it's personal. We want to be uh, sensitive in the way we bring those things up, but we also have to really understand that it is our job, right? They're paying us to give them advice. The first piece of advice that they're paying us to give them is strategic pricing. What is the right price for the home? What price will attract offers? And the second is conditional advice on what can they do to the condition. So if they want more money, how do they fix that condition and being open and honest? So when we focus on the consulting conversation, a lot of agents are really uncomfortable living in that world. When you call up the expired for the first time, are you in sales mode or consulting mode? And what I mean by that, are you mentioning any of these price issues or condition issues when you first talk to them on the phone? Or do you do that after you meet them at the home? Yeah, after we meet them at the home, the whole goal of the phone call is to get an appointment. That's the goal. The goal is to get the appointment, to get there in front of them face-to-face. That's it. And if they start asking a lot of directed questions such as, what is your commission? What would you do different? My response always is, I can share that with you when I meet with you, but until I see your home, which is what's being sold, I can't really answer those questions. So I need to come out and see your home so that I can talk to you. And I'll give them an example. Um, I'll say, we have no idea based on what we know that when we walk in, that you have a spectacular view off your back deck, you know, that's breathtaking, or that you back up to a highway, right? You'll have some of that information from the MLS, but what we're trying to help them understand is that until we walk in the door and understand the features of the home, it's very difficult for us to give them valuable advice, right? It's kind of like prescription without diagnosis. The doctors, you just write the script without doing the diagnosis. It's a disaster. So we don't want to give advice until we've done our due diligence and come up with a diagnosis. Let's switch gears a little bit on expired. You mentioned that you also are doing direct mail. What are you sending out in the mail? Generally, what we do is we just do a really easygoing letter. We print out their expired MLS sheet, and we put a little cover letter on it that just says, we noticed that you wanted to get your home sold. It failed to sell in the market. We have different ideas on why it may have failed to sell. If you'd like to know from our perspective, give us a call. And people respond to that because they do want to know, right? They want somebody to tell them. The vast majority of the time, their issue is is that the agent they had failed to tell them, mostly because they lacked the confidence. They were 
you know, a lot of times right there working with a friend or a family member or there's a tight relationship and the agent was nervous about telling them the truth. And so they want to hear it. They want to know the truth. And so when we say, hey, I know why your home didn't sell. I've got ideas. Give me a call and I'll share them with you. That's the point of the direct mail piece is to get the call to get the appointment. And if you were to send out 100 of those letters, how many callbacks will you receive? About 20%. Okay, that's pretty good. One yep. in five. It is. Yep. Do you send that letter just once and is that the data that expires or do you send other mail pieces to them? Currently, in today's market, we are only sending one piece. Now, if this was you know, back in 2010 where it was a big buyer's market, there was a glut on there, we might have to do a long campaign, but we're pretty much finding right now, if we can't hook them quickly, they're already relisted and sold with another agent fast. So we don't need to have a long marketing campaign in today's market. Either we're going to get them within the first three days, or we're going to reset and start tracking them again a week later and, and see where they are. But one mail piece at this point in today's market is probably enough. I'd also like to talk about a different thing that you brought up there with expireds, and that is the Facebook ads. Two parts there. One, you mentioned some very unique targeting, and then two, what do you have in the ad? Let's start with the targeting. Well, you can target custom audiences with Facebook. So you can choose audiences based on different criteria. It could be a geographical criteria. It could be a demographic criteria. It could be a specific person. So if you have the ability, and I think depending on where you purchase your expired data from, you may a good amount of times have email addresses for, for the prospect. You take the email address for the prospect and you add it into a, a target audience campaign on Facebook, then your expired ad on Facebook is only going to go to those people. And it's a very effective marketing tool because it's so direct that if that person has a Facebook page, they're going to see it for sure. So you're getting down to their address. Did you mention earlier that you could do it by their geographic address or something like their neighborhood? Sure. Yep. You can do it by neighborhood. You can get it really tight. I mean, you could pick 10 homes on the street and target them. So you can get very specific in your marketing effort on Facebook and in these custom audiences and build out an ad. And the nice thing then, right, is that the cost is not very high because you're seeing a very small, limited audience. You're not bidding against a lot of other agents for clicks. So it's not overly expensive and it's highly targeted. And then we also do retargeting, meaning if they have clicked on our Facebook ad and watched it, then they're also going to see that retargeting, which is that ad is going to start to appear in other feeds that they're doing uh, when they're doing other online surfing. Wow, that's great. Now, that initial target, just to clarify, if you don't have their email address, but let's say you have the address, the physical address of the property, are you able to type in that actual physical address? Yes. Or does it have mm -hmm. to be a little bit bigger, like that whole street or that whole neighborhood? Well, you're going to end up displaying in that whole street area, but you could put that address in and run that campaign, assuming and hoping that that person's going to see it. How about the ad itself? What does it say? What kind of picture is there and what kind of text? We have two ads that run there. One would be a guarantee sale that we say, you know, we'll sell your home in 
30 days or less, or we'll sell it for free. Performance guarantee is, especially when someone feels let down by their agent, a performance guarantee is always helpful. So if we can't sell it in 30 days, we'll sell it for free. Is that good? performance guarantee that makes a prospective seller feel good. We also do things that we have a, what we call a menu of services or a flexible commission plan. And we allow, we want the consumer to feel as though they had a say, you know, we know as an industry that all commissions are negotiable, but we want the consumer to have some flexibility in their commissions and the services that they get. We're not about undercutting. We don't compete against our competitors, we don't compete on price. So right, we don't go out and just discount commissions to compete on price. But we do have a menu of services which allow the consumer to feel as though they have some input. You know, so for example, if you find your own buyer on your own and you want just to write the contract, then we charge X percent. Or if you have a family member that shows up and wants to buy your home and you want to terminate the contract, we'll release you. So we want people to feel as though they're not Trapped in into a contract. We also have a performance guarantee and an easy cancel clause, which allows them for any reason at any time to cancel the listing contract with 48 hours notice. And for someone who feels like maybe they got locked in, someone who got locked into a contract for you know six months, eight months, and their home didn't sell, they may be leery about doing that again. To know that they've got the right to cancel, you know, an easy exit agreement makes them feel better about calling us. How often are you receiving a reply when you put out these Facebook ads to expireds? I have to be honest, I don't know that I've got the number off the top of my head and I can get it for you. I'm going to say that we probably get about, this is off the top of my head, 30 to 50 seller leads per month that come off of Facebook ads. And some of them are long-term, some of them are you know, long-term nurturers. I know for sure that it's more than one a day, which obviously doesn't sound like a lot, but if your goal is to list 30 homes a month and you're getting 30 inbound inquiries, if 10 of them can come from those, it's a pretty strong return. Now, a quick word from our sponsor, Real GTV, real estate agent lead generation television, where top agents reveal exactly how they create consistent flows of home buyer and home seller leads into their practices every month. Need more leads? Hit the pause button right now. Open Google and search RealGTV. That's R-E-A-L-G dot TV. Now, back to the show. Absolutely. Now, you've mentioned performance guarantees and flexible commissions, uh, menu of services, a lot of different USPs. My assumption is that if the market were slower, you would be putting those on some of the postcards that you would do follow-up afterwards. Is that true? For sure. I mean, when the market was low, you know, we were in that buyer's market at the end of 2008, 9, 10, 11, 12. Our direct mail campaigns were all of those things. We'll sell your home in X amount of time or we'll sell it for free. Easy exit agreement. Not happy with our performance. You can fire me at any time. We want the consumer to feel that they're empowered, they have choices, and they won't be trapped. And I think a lot of people get nervous about signing contracts that lock them into somebody that they've only met for 15 minutes, half an hour in their home, and they're entrusting you to guide them through this process, and and they're nervous about that. And so when we give them some options and they don't feel trapped, we jump back. And I can tell you, I think twice, off the top of my head, I think two times, 
do we ever have anybody exercise the easy exit? And there were folks that we were challenged with to begin with, and we probably shouldn't have even taken the listing, and we just couldn't see to eye to eye, and we ended up, they requested to be released, and when we released them, they took their house off the market, and it's fine. The good thing to note, area of confidence for agents to understand is you're not going to bat 100%. You're not going to get every listing. You're not going to convert every listing appointment into a listing, and every listing you take is not going to sell. It's the law of averages. You're going to take some listings that you think are awesome, that you're going to have challenges with, and or relationship issues with the clients. So you don't have to worry about batting a thousand. Your job is to be open and honest and truthful, to communicate regularly, provide information that they can use for making decisions. And then if it doesn't work, then to part ways. And so there's nothing wrong with that. I have one other thought in my head here, and that is that you talked about on the Facebook ads, the again, the performance guarantees, the flexible commissions, the other guarantees for folks. My assumption is that when you're calling direct, you're making the phone call to them, that those things will probably pop up during the conversation as well as a reason to set the appointment. Is that true? Absolutely. Yeah. And the reason that you're doing the Facebook ads is that they may get out quicker to the prospect than maybe sending by direct mail. Yeah. And it just depends on how people like to communicate. I know I open my mail once a week at home. It, it kind of piles up on the dining room table, and, and I open it up on Friday afternoon and take a look at it. But the number of visitors and the amount of time that most people visit Facebook is staggering. We know that there are 2 billion unique visitors to Facebook on a monthly basis. So there are so many people that are on there. And I believe, and again, I have to go back and, and grab the exact statistics, but the average person who uses Facebook on a regular basis visits Facebook four to six times per day. And so what you're trying to do is capture them in that moment. Well, Matt, we're about to leave expired listings. Is there anything else, if someone were listening and they were thinking about pursuing expired listings, any other recommendations you have? Yeah. you know, If you don't get them right away, keep your eye out and see if they don't list with somebody else that, you know, don't forget about them reach back out in a week. I think that's an important part. And the other part is to understand that they've probably have just had a disappointing experience with one of our colleagues and they lump us all together. And so we want to set ourselves apart while appreciating and certainly not speaking poorly of another agent, right? So it's really easy to say, well, gosh, you know, I'm sure you had a good experience with Susie. I'd just like to share with you what I do that's different. So talk about our differences and talk about our strengths without knocking our colleagues or our competitors down, right? You don't have to knock anybody down to look good. You just talk about your strength. Let's switch gears. Let's talk about internet leads. My understanding is that was about 25% of your business last year. Could you tell us what are you doing with internet leads? How are you generating business in through the internet? Yeah, so we drive traffic to our website and our website being one that is IDX driven, right? So in other words, it's pooling data from the MLS. And we want to drive prospects to our website and get them to register and, and ask for more information. So we drive them multiple ways. We only do Google pay-per-click ad campaigns. We do Facebook ad campaigns to drive traffic to our buyer website. And we do ad campaigns to drive people to our home value websites where they can get an instant online home value. And we've captured their information so that we can reach out to them with more specific information. 
let's dive into the seller side. That's what people are very curious about. You said you have a home valuation website. First of all, are you generating a lot of seller leads through these internet mediums? They really do come in waves. It's really interesting. We can run a specific ad today that might get 40 or 50 people to register, and we can run that same ad two weeks from now and get one person. And so it's hard to tell. We have not yet perfected when in the market, when do certain things work. We know that we have a group of about six to eight different ads that we run. They have different results at different times. And in all honesty, if I told you that there was this magic sauce that first week of the month we ran ad A and we got 20 registrations, it just wouldn't be accurate, right? We have not yet found that there's a consistent, reliable data that, you know, ad one, two, three, run on the first and third weeks of the month always delivers. There are times when one ad delivers really big and that same ad has zero response at another time. So it's difficult for me to really tell you. All I know is that we keep trying different things and when get a good response, we file that ad away and we try running it again. But it really is hard to say, you know, gosh, here's the magic pill. If you were to look at all of your internet leads, what percentage of them are buyers versus sellers? The vast majority are buyers. You know, most buyers go online to find homes. Most sellers go online to find value, right? So they're either looking for their home value, they're looking to see what their neighbor's homes sold for, what they think the comparable homes sold for. So buyers are looking for homes which are tied to agents, and then you pick up leads. Sellers are online looking for value, and they're not necessarily tied to agents. They're just doing research. So capturing seller leads online is not easy. Our best way of capturing seller leads online are directly tied to home valuation websites. And you mentioned that you're getting about 30 to 50 seller leads a month through your Facebook ads, as an example. And then you talking about that during the expired campaign. Are all of those expireds or are some of them coming more from this general seller advertisement? They are all coming from different places. If we were to say we were to get 30 to 50 seller leads per month, what we find with most of those seller leads, the vast majority, are people who are experiencing some type of life change and they're curious about the value of the property and they may or may not be ready to do anything about that. You know, for example, it's the couple who just realized tonight that they're going to have a new child on the way and they go, God, I wonder what our house is worth if we have to move to a bigger home. So they're not necessarily ready to make a decision today. They're just out there kicking tires and gathering information. And our job, our goal is to gather their information and to stay in constant contact so that when they do make the decision, they come back to us instead of going back to the web. And so we find that many of the seller leads that we find or that we generate are really long-term nurtures. We're talking sometimes folks that are a year out, two years out, three years out, and that's okay, right? Because that's how you build the volume in sales. When you start selling four, five, 600 homes per year, that is directly tied to your ability to convert ready, willing, and able buyers and sellers right now and your long-term nurture campaign for the lukewarm people that you met that weren't ready today, but you never let them out of your site. That's where most agents struggle in building a big business. They get really busy dealing with the today business, and they forget to go back and deal with the future leads. They run after the hot and readies. 
Well, people are hungry today. They are. And it makes sense. But that's why you have to keep every day, you've got to be looking at your prospects going, how do I stay in touch with them so that they think of me and they don't think of just going on any old website when they're ready? Absolutely. Well, Matt, let's talk a little bit more about these seller leads from the internet. You said you're sending them to the home valuation sites. How are you finding them? In other words, who are you targeting, say, in Facebook or where are they coming from? And then what does the ad look like to bring them in? But who are you targeting for these seller leads that you're getting through these sources? Those are all just driven towards home values. And so we run them specific to neighborhoods. So if there's a neighborhood that is having high turnover and there's a lot of sales, people become really quickly interested in what's their value. What if I were going to sell today? So let's say the community, you know, Johnsontown community uh, is experiencing a lot of turnover. Well, we would target that with a home value ad and say, you know, what's your Johnsonville home may be worth more than you think. Click here to get an up-to-date market value, right? And so the goal is to get them intrigued because they're seeing the signs go up on the street, right? So they're seeing the neighbors for sale sign go up. They're seeing the pending sign come up. They're seeing the sold come up and they're going, hmm, that's sold really quick. What's our house worth? Those types of things. And so that's who we're trying to grab the attention of. When you're sending out that ad and you're asking them what they think about the market and what their home might be worth, the picture, a lot of people are grabbed by a photograph. What kind of photograph do you use? So we try to make it very local. So we're using a photograph of the entrance sign to their community or a landmark that everybody knows that's in that territory. So it doesn't feel like a generic ad, you know, that's living way out there. We want them to we want them as they scroll through Facebook to see a picture of their community and they look and they go, Oh my gosh, what's that? And they stop and they click and it makes sense. Uh, that's very smart. Now you said landmark. What would be an example of that? It could be a street shot going the main street that everybody uses in that area. It could be the entrance sign. You know, if you're going into a subdivision and they have a nice entrance sign or they have a park or they have a community pool or they have you know some type of community area so that as they scroll through it, it looks familiar and it looks um, recognizable. That's going after a neighborhood. You've also mentioned earlier targeting life changes such as having a baby. How are you doing that? I assume it's through Facebook and so how are you doing the targeting and then what type of message and picture would you use there? So that would be the same thing where you, if you're going to target to specific custom audiences, you might want to do a campaign for people you know that are driven towards somebody who's maybe recently pregnant. Believe it or not, you can get all that data within Facebook. Facebook knows all of a sudden if Susie's shopping, she's searching different things and joining different groups on Facebook you know, expectant mothers or things like that. So they'll put them in this kind of custom audience. And so we'll say, you know, send this ad out to potential pregnant people. So you can pull a custom audience that looks like that. And it just might be squeezed for room in your home. Do you need more space? Click here to look at new homes on the market. So just trying to talk their language and showing that you understand why they might be making a move. And I'm sorry, did you mention the photo? Is it a photo of a baby or what would the photo be? On that one, it would probably be a graphic. Like you might have a person on a couch surrounded by boxes or things piled up where it looked too tight or something like that, right? So some type of graphic. 
Excellent. Well, Matt, thank you for walking us through some of your marketing. I really appreciate that. I'd like to talk about your team at this point. Would you mind doing us a favor and giving us a quick outline of the members of your team? Sure. So let's start on the agent side. We have two listing agents, one listing agent who really replaced me as the lead listing agent on the team. And she is now in her third year in the business. She came to us without any experience and she's worked really hard and learned the business and she's on track to do about 120 deals this year. And then we have a newer agent. We needed to supplement that and we hired another agent to be a listing agent. She's been with us since April. I've got two listing specialists, one with three years experience and one brand new. On the buy side, I have one, two, three buyers agents, one with a lot of experience who's on track to close 75 deals this year, one who is our a great steady Eddie on our team and delivers three to four deals every month consistently, and then a newer agent who's been in that role again for probably less than 90 days. So we're developing on that side. Our top buyer's agent also has a showing agent, and our showing agent role helps uh, with his big pipeline by getting out and showing property. The showing agent does not write contracts, doesn't do any prospecting, but will show property, will attend inspections and things like that. So it allows the buyer's agent to do more and more volume, gets a little bit of help. So listing agent, buy side, showing agent. We have two inside sales agents and their focus is responding to inbound inquiries and doing outbound calling. So They'll do uh, expires and for sale by owners. They'll do circle calling around a new listing. So we've got two of our inside sales agents. And then we have, administratively, we have two full-time admin in the office. One is our listing coordinator who does everything from the day the listing contract is signed all the way through until an offer comes in. Then we have a contract to close transaction manager who handles everything from contract to closing. And then we have three virtual assistants. One supports the transaction coordinator, one supports the listing coordinator, and one is actually our team receptionist and answers our inbound phones. And then also on our admin side, we have a runner who works four days a week and goes out and puts our signs up in our lockboxes and meets somebody to unlock a door. When we take a listing, she goes out and meets the photographer and then does the room dimensions and all the data that is needed for the MLS entry. Is it on, you know, is the house on public water and sewer or on-site septic and well? She gets all that data at each house. That makes up our team. We've got buyer's agents, listing agents, showing agents, and the admin team and inside sales. I've seen director of client experience because I had some notes from earlier. Is that the receptionist? No. So we do have, I didn't think about that in terms of saying transactionally, so this year, we added a role called Director of Client Experience. He joined us in January, and his job has been to help us identify ways that we can make the entire client experience better. Um, you know, As uh, the industry continues to shift and we work through technology, and there's kind of this push for technology to do more and more of the agent's job, what we wanted to do was make sure that we were providing a client experience where our clients were raving fans at the end, right? That we weren't just doing the functions, but as they went through the process, that they would never envision buying or selling a home with anyone else other than somebody on our team. So that position did a couple of things. Looked at the way we work with buyers and sellers and the entire sales life cycle and give us input on how to make those touch points better. 
what does that look like? Also work to help us with our client appreciation events. We've rolled out some really fun client events that have come back to us with rave reviews. And then also working with us, we are putting together what we're calling our Gold Key Club. And our Gold Key Club members are past clients. And we have gone out, we spent the summer with several summer college interns working with local vendors provided a discount program to our past clients. And that discount program would be everything from the local hair salon to landscapers to pool installers to dentists to every type of different industry. We went out and got them to give us a specific discount or benefit that they would only offer to Gold Key members. And we put that together and it's just getting ready to roll out here in about two weeks. We've got 150 participating vendors. And this will be going out to all of our past clients, and we're actually sending them a card embossed with their name on it. So it looks like a credit card, a membership card, and they'll be able to take that to those vendors and have the benefit of a discount service for having been one of our clients. So just different ways to incentivize people to do business with us. A quick question on the team. People ask me all the time, maybe you can help out. Compensation. How would you compensate your buyer agents and your showing agents? How does that work together? So I think when we talk about compensation, it's really important that we not just talk about a cookie cutter percentage, right? So it's important not to say, well, buyer's agents get 50% or 70% or 30% because what I offer on my team to my buyer's agents is different than what somebody else may offer on their team. So for example, on our team, our transaction coordinator negotiates repairs and inspection items. So the agents are not tied into that part of the process, which frees them up to have a bigger sales volume. So the team has to compensate that person for doing that part of the transaction. So there's less money available to pay the agent, but the agent makes it up in volume. So when we talk about what do you pay people and how do you compensate them, the first place you have to start is, what are my expenses? Where am I providing value? So if I look at it and say, yep, I provide a website with IDX feed and I spend 10000 a month on lead generation and the leads come out and working backwards and saying, okay, after I pay all of my expenses, after I pay our staff, after I reserve a profit margin, what do I really have left over? And then I look at it and go, what's left over is what, what we can pay somebody. And then if it sounds too low, then we have to go back and look at our expenses and see what we need to cut in order to increase the compensation. When we talk about it, I can tell you, I can give you ranges. Our buyer's agents, depending on the deal, make somewhere between 35 and 45 percent on the on a deal. Our listing agents make somewhere between 20 and 30 percent on the list side. But again, you have to you've got to look at the value of what the team provides. So for example, on our listing side, once the listing contract is signed, the listing agent is done. They make a weekly check-in phone call to their client, but the listing coordinator has coordinated the stage or coordinated the photographs, has produced the marketing materials, put it into the MLS. The runner has gone out and taken the room dimensions and gotten all that, right? So in order for us to have an apples-to-apples comparison on compensation, what you have to really talk about is the support around it first, and then you can decide what the compensation looks like. I'm sorry, did you mention showing agent? Are they getting paid hourly or per time they go show a home? How's that work? So they get paid as a portion of the commission out of the buyer's agent's side, right? So they work in theory, right, in, in 
we're all independent contractors, so they don't work for anybody. But in theory, they work specifically to a the buyer's agent. So it comes out of the buyer's agent portion. So they're going to get somewhere between 15 and 20% of the transaction. And it comes off the buyer's agent side because it allows the buyer's agent to do more deals. On Saturday, a buyer's agent can only show one home at one in the afternoon. They can only be at one place. By having a showing agent, they can have two clients out. By having two showing agents, they have three clients out at the exact same time. So it allows them to do more deals. So the compensation comes from their side. Well, Matt, are you profitable? We are profitable. I am very cautious and careful to look at at our numbers. If you could tell when we talk about compensation, we know how to work backwards uh, and, and get into our numbers. I strive to have a 35% profit margin. I can tell you, depending on the time of year, we do run somewhere between 33 and 35%, and there is about where our profit margin is. Well, Matt, what drives you? I am absolutely driven to grow. I'm absolutely driven to new opportunities, and I've been really lucky to have uh, lots of different opportunities, different business opportunities put in front of me, and they all come from doing a great job with what you're doing today. And so I always look at my, I've got to master the sales side really well so that my clients have a great experience and so that I'm recognized for being a leader in that part of the business. And then when I lead well there and I do a great job, then people come to me with other opportunities. And so I'm driven for more opportunities. And I believe opportunities come from excellence in what you're currently doing. Uh, So I'm driven to the excellence now so that I can have additional opportunities in the future. Well, Matt, if you were going to advise a brand new agent just getting in the business, what would you tell them to do first? Absolutely. You want to be somewhere where you can get phenomenal training. I'm very lucky to have started my career at Keller Williams where emphasis is on training in the office. I know there are lots of brands out there that say that they do training and that training is part of their company. Um, And I'm sure, I mean, that is the primary responsibility of a broker is to provide great training. But our training is way, way, way atop. As a matter of fact, Keller Williams, two years in a row, was named top training uh, company across all industries by training magazines. So, we, you know, competing against every different industry. So I tell you, you need to be somewhere you can have great training, take advantage of the training, don't assume you know it all. Don't act off your instincts, but get good training. And as you have great training, set goals and hire a coach to hold you accountable to those goals and to remind you when you're off course that you're making decisions that are not going to support the goals that you set for yourself. So I'm a big believer that agents have to be in training to keep growing and uh, accountability through coaching. Matt, do you think the top agent interviews like the one we're doing now with Mastermind Agent are valuable? Absolutely. I'm a big listener of, of podcasts. I'm a big listener of Audible books. You know, I download them and have them going in the car as I'm running from one place to the next or as I'm flying, doing a lot of travel that I do. I like to have those things kind of playing in the background. And so I absolutely believe that interviews, recorded interviews, podcasts are, are really great for Right, The one or two nuggets that somebody can take away from this and implement in their business is critical. Well, Matt, I've come to the end of my questions for today. Do you have any parting thoughts for the listeners? Real estate is a phenomenal industry. The opportunities are really limitless. 
And we also have an obligation to raise the bar in the industry so that the consumer uh, has a great experience and gets great advice. And so I just, I, I'm just going to keep saying what I've said for the last three or five minutes is get the best training you can so you become a great professional. Raise the bar in the industry so that the consumer benefits and gets the advice and, and the support that they need and enjoy the fact that the real estate industry is limitless. There are so many opportunities, whether it's sales or brokerage ownership or ownership in other businesses such as mortgage and title or surveys and, and things like that. There are so many opportunities out there. Master what you're doing, do it great, and then open yourself up for other opportunities because the, the opportunities really are limitless. Well, Matt, you've shown that mastering the basics is the key to success in real estate. You demonstrated your knowledge and expertise with listing expired homes in a hot market using proven scripts, direct mail, and targeted Facebook ads. You also created a strong internet lead campaign focused on life-changing events, neighborhood acceleration, and neighbor curiosity. You've built a balanced team of sales and staff who have the client's best interest at heart. Thank you for sharing and being our top agent of the month. And join us next call when we talk to an agent who is making more money by selling fewer homes. Find out who he is on the next success call. If you like the show and want to know when the next one's coming out, click the subscribe button on iTunes or Stitcher. And if you want to hear more episodes like this, give the show a five-star review and write a quick comment. I read them all, and it motivates me to keep going and share the top agent success stories with you. Thanks. If you're looking for more ways to generate leads, check out our sponsor, RealGTV, real estate agent lead generation television, and their giant database library of video trainings where top agents reveal, demonstrate, and discuss their best lead generation methods. Visit RealGTV, R-E-A-L-G dot TV. If you're low on funds or just want to get the maximum leverage, check out my masterclass webinar titled Top 5 Free Lead Sources for Real Estate Agents. Learn more at FreeLeadTime.com. That's FreeLeadTime.com. Oh, and if you have a real estate friend who needs some inspiration, tell them about the Success Calls podcast. And don't you forget to subscribe right now to hear all the great top agent ideas. Keep moving forward. You've been listening to Success Calls on the Mastermind Agent Network, where top real estate agents from across North America reveal their success secrets, strategies, and systems in up-close and personal interviews. You can find all the calls at www.mastermindagent.com.